to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line! looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down, Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams on our new time and new day uh, for the show for this season as well. Jonathan's schedule kind of um, changes some things for us throughout the week, so we decided to move the show to Sunday at 8 moving forward, um, which we're kind of happy with overall because we think it'll give us you know some good uh, a good show time during the season when games happen the day before we'll be first on there to, to make sure we tell you what's going on and, and what we just saw happen, everything like that. So we're excited about it. Uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about today. The uh, Georgia players have been making some waves so far in the NFL preseason games. Uh, some recruiting stuff to update you guys on as well. And then a fun topic about some other Georgia sports teams as well towards the end. But Jonathan, how are we feeling? I'm doing good. Yeah, you guys can blame me for us shifting our schedule. I know for the longest time we have been Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Like we have been dialed in on that day for a long time. But yeah, new content that I'm doing over at the Film Guy Network and now so but couldn't drop off the Classic City Sports podcast with Stoddard. So we're still going to be doing that for you guys. Um, I know that we're going to be competing with Sunday Night Football on Sundays, but that's OK. You know, you guys can rewatch us whenever. Get your fix in on the Georgia Bulldogs Monday morning on your drive to work or whenever. Nonetheless, we are still going to be here bringing you guys content every single weekend. You know, it's crazy to think that here in a little bit, probably within the next couple of weeks, me and you are going to be sitting here doing our SEC predictions that we always do about how we think the conference is going to shake out this year, everybody's overall record. So, for the, you know, you have that countdown set as soon as the season ends. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, dang, we've got like three weeks left until the season officially kicks off. You got week zero games at the end of this month. So luckily we've had NFL preseason games to kind of tie us over until then, but super excited about what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely excited about it. The football season is here. I think that's what I said last time we were on here. Um, everything is getting started. Georgia's in fall camp. They're getting moving, getting everything rolling there. And uh, preseason football just started this week. But let's go ahead and jump into that, right? So we got some NFL guys making – or some former Georgia players making some waves in their first NFL games. Um, and there's something really important to look at right now is there is an insurance agent out there throwing 191 yards in a preseason game right now and a touchdown. So – you know, everybody can make it apparently, right? If an if an, insur- an insurance agent is able to go out there and make some waves in the NFL, it's, that's pretty impressive, right there. I'm not going to lie to y'all. 
Yeah, and we're not talking about Jake from State Farm. That's not the insurance agent we talk about. Not Jake from. We're talking about Stetson Bennett now. You know, the the guy that was supposedly supposed to end up being a used car salesman or selling insurance, whatever you want to say about what he's supposed to be doing at this point in his career, has now signed, I think, a four-year contract with the Los Angeles Rams before the season got going. Yes. And then he comes into the game for the Rams yesterday. I don't know what his final stat line was, but – at one point, he was like 11 for 18, 138 passing yards and a touchdown, and all three of his drives had ended in scores. Like, you can't get any more productive than that for your first outing. Yep. And, you know, it's just great to see for Stetson that, man, like, no matter what. And this is what I admire about Stetson. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of specific players. Stetson has really become one of those guys because every single time that dude goes out there, it's like he's still chasing after to prove every single person wrong. He's still chasing after something. Something's keeping him motivated and just the way he plays, you know, and he looks so calm and poised for a rookie quarterback. Like he just looked comfortable in the system. And I think that kind of goes into play of what Matthew Stafford has maybe alluded him to and helped lead him towards, you know, that Rams posted a clip of Matthew kind of saying like, Hey, this is what you're looking for here. That's a great throw right there. Like kind of think of it this way when you're back in the pocket, clearly showing great leadership out there for him in LA and I thought it was also kind of funny that not only did Stetson play his first NFL game in SoFi Stadium where he won the national championship, but he also played against Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback. Yeah. So poor Max Duggan just cannot escape Stetson Bennett's dominance in the SoFi Stadium. No, absolutely not. And I think I think his stat line was something like 17 for 28 or 29, uh, 191 yards and a touchdown. So a really good start for a, a, a rookie in their first ever preseason game. And he came out there and he had a couple interesting throws to start, but then he kind of settled in and he, he really started flowing. He started putting them in tight windows. He started, you know, really leading his receivers in the right spots and everything. And uh, the touchdown pass, if you go back and look at it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a frozen rope that he had to throw into a fairly tight window right on the chest of the receiver and a defender on his back kind of thing. So he's, he's still doing what he was able to do at Georgia on the next level now. And that's impressive for us because, like you said, we've we've come to really love Stetson Bennett over the past two seasons. We've been defending him so much and, and how good he was. And as surprisingly enough, even before yesterday, people still were in doubts that he was any good. Um, now he goes in the NFL and he's actually succeeding there. So I think it's pretty safe to say that he's going to have a roster spot pretty much locked down for him um, in, in L.A. Like you said, he got a four-year deal there very important piece of that whole puzzle is the fact that he is playing with Matthew Stafford. The things you just said right there, but that's what we talked about after he got drafted was he has somebody there that's going to actually mentor him. Everybody remembers when uh, Malik Willis was drafted by the Titans and Ryan Tannehill came out and said, I'm not helping him. He's on his own. He's trying to take my job. He literally said that to the media. He's trying to take my job. I'm not going to help him. That's that's the difference in Stetson Bennett and with the Rams and Matthew Stafford is Stafford is going to help him when he can. He's going to show him things like that. Well, good throw here, you know, look at this next time or something like that, right? Like he's going to kind of help him take those steps into his NFL career and be ready to go when his number eventually gets called because Matthew Stafford is towards the end of his career. We don't know how much longer he's going to play. And in a four-year contract, I'd venture to say that, you know, that that's going to come. The end of Matthew Stafford's career is going to come while while Stetson's still under contract in that four-year deal there. Um, so I think it's it's the best possible scenario for him. Can't help but love to see him go out there and, and sling it around successfully like that. Um, just it just made me it just made my heart smile a little bit when I got to see him actually having a pretty good day in his first NFL preseason game. Yeah, and you have to think too, what's good about Stetson's situation is that 
like someone like Malik Willis, who necessarily didn't have like didn't necessarily have a whole lot of pressure on him coming into his first year because Ryan Tannehill was in front of him, a guy that you know is probably going to be the starter. They're not looking to necessarily get Tannehill out of there ASAP. But still, like there's still some pressure that like I'm still expected to be the guy that follows him up and expected to take the reins of this offense when my time comes. So I have to be ready. You know, we're kind of seeing that with Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and all these other rookie quarterbacks that are coming like Bryce Young. He's expected to be the starting quarterback at some point yeah. here in the near future. Anthony Richardson, you are expected to be the starting quarterback here in the near future for the Indianapolis Colts. Stetson, he's in a spot where it's like, yeah, Matthew Stafford is the guy. So like no one's really looking at me or expecting me to go out there and just light the world on fire and kind of expedite this process of me taking over the Rams offense anytime soon. Now it may happen sooner than later because Matthew Stafford, like you said, is in the latter part of his career. Injuries happen. He has been prone to injuries throughout his career. So maybe yeah, your number does year. get Yeah. So maybe your number does get called sooner rather than later, but he's not in this position where Rams fans are like, all eyes are on you, buddy. Like, if, when things go wrong, like, you're the guy that has to step up and deliver. Now, I hope that does eventually happen for him at some point in his professional career, but there's not necessarily all this built-up pressure on 13 shoulders out there in Los Angeles. No, there really isn't. And, and But one thing that you did just mention was the Matthew Stafford injury thing because last year he did get hurt, and they did have to go out. And I think this – was it Baker Mayfield, I think is who it was? Baker Mayfield They played. got him for – for a couple games there and he actually so if something like that were to happen you could see Stetson get that opportunity earlier than you would expect normally in the situation but we're hoping that doesn't happen like that because we don't want Stafford getting hurt or anything as well so we want him to succeed and hopefully it's just a natural uh, passing of the baton kind of thing after a year or two um, when, when Stafford decides he wants to hang it up but I think Stafford's still got some competitive years of football left in him so um, I, once again I'm kind of hoping that takes a little bit longer but if that's the case and it does take a little bit longer that's just even more beneficial for for Stetson because if he can uh, just be comfortable with the role that he's in and I think he has no problem doing that considering his entire career at Georgia and how that all played out that he is comfortable being in that role where he's sitting there and he's just working on himself focusing on himself not worried about going out in there and winning a game right away uh, because he can he can just focus with the coaching staff and his trainers to make sure he is just doing the best he can every day for his personal game and uh, just be ready if his number is called kind of thing. And I think that he's going to thrive in that situation over the next couple of years and, and really be ready to go when that time actually comes for him. I, I think he's the type of guy that could potentially have a starting career at this point. Now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to believe that's that's a possibility before, you know, you go, at least he's going to be able to go be a backup in the NFL for you know a few years. We know that at this point, four you know four year contract with the Rams, we know he's going to have that type of chance. But you know if he goes out in preseason, one thing that really kind of sh surprised me was they let him throw the ball a lot in that preseason game. You know you you talked about some of the other rookies, you know in Richardson and, and Bryce Young, they they only threw the ball like less than ten times each. Some one of them I think only threw the ball like six times. And they really didn't let them get out there and, and do too much. Well, they let Stetson get out there and throw the ball almost 30 times in his first preseason game and just really let him just get comfortable with it and, and get into a groove. And I think that was incredible to see. Yeah, it's good to see a guy what he would look like maybe in a full workload type situation. I know it's the preseason. He's not playing against the other team's number one defense like there's a lot of different circumstances that go on in a preseason game that still make you stop and think a little bit like, OK, like, yeah. Of course, 
Stetson lit up the world. He lit the world on fire, but also it's still the NFL preseason. So long way to go. We don't get a true look at him, but still good to see him go out there, throw the ball around the yard and look really good doing so. But he wasn't the only dog that looked really good this past weekend or in general for their debuts. Jalen Carter on his first NFL snap freaking beats Ben Cleveland. What? I don't yeah, know if they, was people. there any crossover with Cleveland and Carter in college? I think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think I so. Think because they both were there in 2020, maybe, right? Maybe like a year. I think there. there was Cleveland's one year been that they gone had a for a couple years. I think Cleveland yeah. was on that 2020 roster, and Jalen Carter would have been on that 2020 roster too, I believe. But nonetheless, so. beats a former dog, puts him basically just runs right by him and get, nearly gets a, a sack on his first NFL snap. And then this yep. is one that I think has gone really underrated. Nobody has talked about. I just saw it recently on my Twitter timeline. That's the only reason why I know this. So, Kyrus Jackson graded out as the number one wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans in their preseason game. He had two receptions yep. for 36 yards in his first day. So, I mean, for a guy that really hasn't, like, necessarily didn't put up a whole lot of numbers um, at Georgia, you know, he's famous for the quote of saying, like, I'm not worried about my stat sheet. I'm worried about putting numbers up on these walls, putting national titles, SEC championships. Yep. Really good to see him thrive a little bit in his preseason role. And then the dude that has been pretty much taking over the NFL in totality is George Pickens. I mean, my gosh. Seems like any day that you get on Twitter and you're scrolling through the timeline, it's George Pickens making some ridiculous catch, in the, uh, whether it's the um, training camp, the practices or whatnot, or anything. It's just ridiculous to watch and see him perform that way. And, you know, I made this comparison to him on the Film Guy Network the other day when we were talking about some of the dogs in the NFL George Pickens is starting to creep into that OBJ type of guy, like Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014, yeah. 2015, where he was a viral sensation. You know, like anything that OBJ did in a game, it was going to be plastered all over social media. Kids wanted to be like OBJ, you know, like you'd be in the backyard trying to emulate what Odell did on Sunday or whatever. And he's starting to creep into that role of like, dude, He's the easiest player to market in the NFL right now. Like everybody has like just wants to watch George Pickens because he's either going to say something funny or he's going to do something ridiculous on the football field. And he's basically a viral sensation at this point, the second year in his NFL career. Yeah. And like you just said, it's his second season in the NFL, but last season, you know, he was, he was making plays and he was already doing all that stuff, putting himself on highlight reels and everything in his first season. And what what's big for him this year is, you know, you've got Kenny Pickett over there and they're starting to build some chemistry and actually get more time in that role because Kenny Pickett wasn't starting immediately last year. It took him a little bit to get into that role. And so now they're actually being able to build some more of that chemistry. And so you're going to see more and more of his production in that aspect of it. And and yeah, for sure, it's exactly like what Odell was doing. It's those crazy one-handed catches, those acrobatic plays and everything that everybody was so focused on. And and like you said, every time we turn around, there's a new highlight from it may be a practice, but it could you know even a preseason game or something like that. But like it's it's constant that that's what you're you're seeing, and and so it's fun to watch. It's going to be incredible to see how he plays um, over the next couple seasons because he's going to be able to instantly, I think, this year put him his name in to like one of the you know higher productive type wide receivers in the season if he can stay healthy and keep doing what we know he can do. And uh, it's just he's the type of player that you know if he's if he's motivated, he keeps his head down and works. He's the, the raw talent that he possesses is just insane. And if you put yeah. the work in with it, it's just something that you can't teach. You know, it's just, it's, it's insane. Um, some of the other dogs that played pretty well, I saw Keely Ringo had a, a pass breakup himself and uh, making a couple plays there. And on that play you were talking about with Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith was 
right there on the tail end as well. If he had gotten away from Jalen, Nolan was going to be in the quarterback's face on that play as well. So, uh, but yeah, on the play that Jalen made the first one, I mean, he literally just like took his hands and said, move literally like that's all he, he literally put his hands on his side and just pushed him to the side and he just walked through. And it was, I wish it was somebody other than Ben Cleveland, but it was still, it's still pretty funny that it was Ben Cleveland at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know it's crazy if you if you've paid any attention to kind of like the noise that's come out of the Philadelphia Eagles training camp. As Jason Kelsey was talking about how the Eagles guards have already been trying to scheme up a way to stop Jalen Carter at practice, and yeah. um, I think it was um, Fletcher Cox. He said, "I've never seen a rookie do the things that he is doing already. Like hasn't even gotten into the NFL season yet, and he's already doing things that a veteran, a bona fide dude, Fletcher Cox." And he's like, I've never seen anybody do stuff like this before. So should be a really promising season for all of the dogs in Philadelphia. DeAndre Swift had a pretty solid run for them as well during their preseason game. Lewis Seen, who was hurt for the majority of last year, he made a pretty yeah. big play against Jackson Smith and Jigba during their game versus the Seahawks, made a sideline tackle, closing speed, just freaking yanked him down. I mean, Lewis Seen doing Lewis Seen things, dog on Buckeye crime continues the trend continues i don't know what it is but oh, those yeah. georgia dbs that just have something against those ohio state wide receivers and then also andrew thomas who i know is not one of these newcomers in the nfl very much a staple in the nfl at this point oh, sure. signed a massive contract he's I the think highest five, paid tackle in the nfl right now five years 175 million dollars i want to say like the dude is breaking in the money as he should and then the giants post a clip of him putting Kayvon thibodeau on his butt at practice like it's just ridiculous to watch. And then there's also a clip of him doing it to Aiden Hutchinson as well. Another trend that's yeah. just kind of become a thing of Michigan defensive lineman versus Georgia offensive lineman. Georgia's going to take the dub on that end. So really, you know, it, and it's really exciting to see all these Georgia players thriving in the NFL because Georgia has always, always had an immense amount of talent on their roster. Guys that go into the NFL, but it really never felt like the, the NFL rosters were just littered with Georgia players. Like there might be a couple scattered across the league and you might have, like you're going to have your Roquan Smith. You had your AJ Green for a while, Matthew Stafford. No, Sean Marino had a pretty respectable career. Todd Gurley, yeah. Nick Chubb, those guys. But now you look around and it's like every single game that's on, it's like, oh, well, I have so-and-so to watch. Like I have a Georgia player that I can focus on. I think it's kind of somebody, kinda, yeah. I think it could reignite some of that excitement about the NFL, at least for Georgia fans, to know that the brand, the Georgia G, is just scattered all across the United States because teams just are taking them. And there's so many guys that NFL teams are wanting to take. So here in the next few years, I mean, who knows how much talent there is going to be in the league from Georgia. No, it's it's insane how much – like that's exactly what I was going to say too was literally you turn on any game on Sunday and odds are you've got a Georgia player on that roster – uh, at this point and it's it's something that we didn't get to really watch like that that much and we it, or maybe we've had some offensive linemen or something like that that you know you don't get as excited to watch the game you don't have any of the offensive playmakers or the defensive skill position type things um, and so you don't you know you didn't necessarily get as excited about it but now you're starting to get just it's littered everywhere any game that you can turn on you're probably going to see something from Georgia out there and it's that's exciting as as and that does recruiting stuff for you at that point right if you know, it's it's more proof of, hey, this is what Georgia does now. We are putting everybody in the NFL at this point. And so now you're going to be able to use that in your recruiting pitches because you can tell them the same thing. Hey, go turn on go turn on an NFL game on Sunday. Bet you there's a Georgia player sitting on one of those two rosters every yeah, time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's really good to see. Really excited. Interested to see how all of these rookies pan out going into this year. And then also some second year players like James Cook is going to be running back one for the Buffalo Bills. 
if Josh Jacobs thing doesn't get settled down out in Oakland, it looks like Zamir White is going to be tabbed as running back one out there for the he's Las already Vegas been Raiders. he's already been named the starting running back for that. No, yeah, but if Josh Jacobs thing doesn't get settled down over there, if they don't get right. things figured out, then Zeus is right. going to be toting the rock for the Raiders. So, and I imagine with their quarterback situation right now, how things are looking for them, there's going to be a lot of running in that yeah. offense. So, good opportunity for him. Good opportunity for James Cook, and then of course Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker and all those guys going into their second year. A lot of excitement around there. But you mentioned recruiting there for a second, so we're going to kind of pivot. There's been some recruiting news that went on since our last episode, the biggest one being K.J. Bolden going to FSU. But then right behind that, Peyton Woodyard decided that he wanted to go to Alabama, flipped his commitment, which he had announced. Me and you saw it live out there in San Antonio when he committed to Georgia at the Adidas All-American game. Stayed with the dogs for a long time, and then I guess Alabama came calling, and now he's going to go be with the Crimson Tide. So two safeties now that Georgia was really hunting after, now no longer in the class. Georgia does not have a single safety committed to this year's class. So I think there's kind of been some panic just a little bit, like how are we losing out on a guy like K.J. Bolden to FSU? Why are we not keeping a guy like Peyton Woodard on the <clears throat> in the recruiting class when we don't have a single safety committed? Like what's kind of going on here? And I think the biggest – or here, I'll let you give your thoughts first before I go to mine. So give me your initial thoughts, Sarah. Kind of what's your mindset here with all these dogs or all these people that – Look like they were going to be dogs and no longer being dogs. What do you think the mindset should be? Well, I think the mindset is, is for a Georgia fan should be don't panic if we don't get a safety this class because you have such a talented roster, a defensive back that we're moving people around to make stuff work for us this season just to, to make sure we get the right people on, on the on the field. And there's competitions going on every single day um, for those positions. Like we talked about this last week, uh, which is – that you're going to be probably seeing uh, Bullard go back to safety because they want to be able to put somebody else at star and they want to build the best 10 guys around him in that roster. So I think that you you kind of got some leeway at safety this year and probably next as well because so many of these guys are young on your roster that I don't think that in the building that they're panicking because they didn't get them now. Do they want them? Absolutely. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been recruiting them and trying to get them. So don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying you don't need them because it would have been good to have them. Uh, but at the same time, y- you shouldn't be freaking out if you don't have them. Yeah, I think Brooks counted like 10 guys on Georgia's roster in the defensive backroom that all have more than two or two or more years of eligibility left and haven't played a single snap yet. Ten or uh, I think it was 10 guys. Like, think about that. That's a yeah. lot of players on that roster that still have tons of eligibility left and haven't even gotten a chance to crack a spot in the starting lineup. And, uh, I mean, just think about the more prominent ones like Malachi Starks. He's going to have another year after this year. Joan Aguero, yep. he's going to be playing star, but still, nonetheless, one of those safety hybrid type guys. He's going to have three years at least once um, going into this year. Justin Rett. He's kind of been a name that's popping around the, um, the um, going into fall camp. His name has started to rise up a little bit. Daniel Harris, that's a bona fide dude. I think he's a yeah. defensive back. That's probably what he's going to end up playing. But there's just a lot of young guys in that room. David Daniel Sisavon, he's a he's a guy that's hung around for a while and yes, really has. hasn't cracked into the lineup at all and may not even really get that much playing time this year. So I think it really just boils down to the part of Alabama and schools like FSU are saying like, why on earth would you go to Georgia right now? Take a look at their roster. You think you want to go compete with all of them when you can come here and within a year's time, you can be in our starting lineup and you could be playing meaningful snaps for us on Saturdays. And so I think that 
majority of the reason why these kids are maybe looking elsewhere. Now, both Peyton Woodyard and KJ Bolden both said that, like, Bolden said, FSU has been my dream school. Peyton Woodyard said, Alabama's kind of always been the school that I've been hunting after. And so I guess, like, once those schools start really pushing in and they push all their chips in on saying, like, man, we want you, we need you in this class, it's kind of hard to do anything else after that. And especially with NIL deals floating around and it's, there's only so much you can do as, as the university of Georgia There's only so it's only so far you're going to go into that game before you just kind of put your hands up and say like, look, we want you, we want you to come play for us, but this is as far as we're going. And so if it's not us, then that's okay. You go be where you want to be. We're no longer going to be, you know, chasing after this other school, like whatever, wherever they go, like we're sitting right here. Even if the other school goes up here, we're sitting where we are. Like that's, that's, we're sitting exactly where we've been telling you for the last four months. So, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Not time to hit the panic button. I don't think it's ever time to hit the panic button as far as Georgia football recruiting goes, and but especially not at the defensive back position. No, definitely not. And and what we do know about Georgia as well is like you just named all these different guys, and you know, I, I, Bullard is could be gone after this year. He theoretically could try to probably come back for be. another year's. You know, it probably will, but you never know. Sometimes you're surprised with the guys that decide they want to stay. So, for point sure. being is if he decided to stay, right? And then you got Aguero who's going to be playing star, but he's he's a safety overall. So, like, maybe he, you know, next year could shift back that way and fill that role as well. Um, and then, and like, you you got several guys that got a lot of time left. Like you said, Malachi Starks has a couple more years. So, these guys could be looking at it as exactly what you just said. Well, I don't know when I'm going to get to start in Alabama – can say that to Peyton Woodyard. Now, I don't think Alabama had to go around throwing a bag to him because it's it's Alabama. I don't and I don't think Nick Saban's getting really into the big, you know, throwing a lot of money at players like some of the other teams are as well. So I don't think that's what happened there. I think it's just, you know, maybe it's an opportunity thing. They they've he's been committed to Georgia since January and it's been seven months at this point. So maybe they've been in his ear the whole time and finally they said something or he started to see stuff play out at Georgia this summer that, you know, made him decide it's, it's not necessarily the best fit for him. And if that's the case, you know, best of luck to him and I hope he does well. And uh, as long as he doesn't beat Georgia, it doesn't really make much of a difference down the road. But um, as far as KJ Bolden goes, I think NIL played a huge factor there. I think we all know that in the sense that, you know, Florida state, is was willing to to do more than than Georgia's going to do. Like you said, Georgia's going to be here consistently. If somebody comes in up here, man, it is what it is. And I, I you know, we we heard that you know they had made an offer. It was a pretty good one, but they were probably holding out to make their final offer of what they're willing to do until the last second. And then guess what? Last second, something drastically changed that pulled FSU up because they weren't even necessarily number one or two at the time. They were probably sitting at like three. There was a lot of talk about Auburn and everything. And all of a sudden, Georgia and Auburn drops down FSU's the top of the list for him and you know maybe it's just one of those things that you can't we don't expect Georgia to go out there with Kirby Smart and throw a bunch of money at these players he's it's not what he does it's not who he really wants honestly if that's what's going to get you to go somewhere else I think he's okay with letting you go somewhere else because if you get that type of player and I'm not talking anything bad about KJ Bolden I'm not saying he's the type of player that's going to be trying to bounce after a year or two anyways I'm just saying that History shows the players that chase the NIL money a lot of times when it comes down to, you know, maybe they don't start right away when they get there. They get a little unhappy and maybe they start looking for some NIL money somewhere else kind of thing and the way the transfer portal works nowadays. Um, And then when it comes to transfer portal stuff, if you do find yourself where Georgia's roster is depleted at defensive back or at safety, guess what? Kirby Smart is the best in the business at making sure he plugs those holes on his roster with 
a transfer. He's done that so many times. Anytime you have a position where you feel like you're not necessarily where you need to be, he goes out and gets a guy that's ready to go right away. Yeah, I mean, you got Fran Brown, Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart. I mean, that's as good as it gets at the defensive back position. It doesn't get any better than that. The only one, there's only one coach in the land that even rivals that, and it's Nick Saban. And, but geez, when you got three guys like that coaching up defensive backs, coaching up safeties, like, goodness gracious. It's exactly why Georgia's in the position that they are right now, heading into this season of people saying it's going to be the best secondary in college football, probably. They're that talented. They have that many dudes that they can rotate in, need be. So, going to be a special season for them. And still, Still some ways to go before this class is officially wrapped up, and you never know what could happen. Maybe Georgia sneaks themselves back into one of these recruitments or they find themselves a safety that they really like in the class that maybe no one else is recruiting, and they get themselves one of those sleeper pickups again. So still a long way to go. Um, There is a commitment tomorrow that Georgia fans are going to have their eyes on. Williams Nwanre, Dan and Harrison, if you're listening, that is how I believe you pronounce that name. I was listening to their podcast the other day, and they weren't even touching the last name. They said – I'm not even going to try and pronounce that last name, so I'm just going to leave it need be. I believe it is Williams Nwanre, so don't quote me on that, but I believe that is the correct (laughs) pronunciation. So he's going to be picking between Georgia, Missouri, and Oklahoma. Um, Georgia has a chance in there, but right now it's looking like Missouri might have the slight edge that is his hometown area. Sounds like Mama wants him to stay close to home maybe. And rightfully so. And this isn't the first time you've heard a story like this. Um, Luther Burton, very similar situation, in my opinion. Uh, big time wide receiver that looked like he was going to be going to Georgia for a while. And then all of a sudden it was yeah. like, he's going to end up staying closer to home. He's going to go to Missouri and play for Coach Drinkwitz. And man, if Drinkwitz does end up getting him tomorrow, that's a huge get for Missouri. And if, look, the way that Missouri recruiting goes and the way that program is run, if you can just consistently get like one big time five star every single class, I would I think Missouri is going to absolutely take that every single year. I think Drinkwitz has done a great job out there with Missouri kind of building up that program. I love the way that he goes about his business. I think he's a great coach. He's definitely someone that if I was in a position to commit to any SEC school that I want to, I think Missouri would definitely I would definitely pique some interest into Missouri and see what they're they've got going on going on over there under Drinkowitz, but another big recruitment that everybody will have their eyes on tomorrow. So interested to see what happens there. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, Missouri is kind of a sleeper team in the sec East where everybody just assumes they're not going to be good. Right. Cause they haven't really been good over the past few years, but they got a lot more competitive last year. Obviously they had Georgia on the ropes at one point, which I'm not, don't take that as me trying to say they're better than everybody thinks just cause they had Georgia on the ropes, but cause I, I don't think they were a great team last year. And I think Georgia should have hands down walked out of there with no, no scare at all like that. Based on the, the program that Georgia had last year and, and who Missouri was, there's no reason that game went the way that it did. But they are building into the right direction. They are becoming more competitive in those games, and they're making themselves a challenge for teams that come in, in into their, their uh, stadium. And I think that they're a team that's moving in the right direction, at least. So I'm not saying they're going to go out and win 10 games or anything like that, but you know, they're, they're going to be in a bowl game. You know, that that's the kind of, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be able to make a bowl game. And uh, you keep stacking up some good recruiting classes in the next couple of years. Maybe they are winning 10 games. Maybe they are becoming more competitive. I think that's a team that people sleep on all the time, but I don't think they're going to be consistently bad like we've seen with Vanderbilt. I think that they are moving in the right direction to improve that roster. And, and yeah, if you start landing some more five stars here and there, you know, it starts to build and you get momentum and then you never know what's going to happen at that point. Brooks said, Uncle Mo. 
Uncle Momentum. So Uncle Mo is a dangerous <laughs> man. And so once yes, the team gets Uncle Mo around, once he starts hanging around a program, they get a little dangerous. So if Missouri can get um, some Uncle Mo going in their program, then maybe they can start getting in that um, upper tier of the Eastern Division. It's a great opportunity. The window is open. Tennessee is kind of taking advantage of that. But with yeah. Florida kind of on the downward slope right now, Vanderbilt's being Vanderbilt. South Carolina's kind of figuring out who they are. You know, there's still there's still a window of opportunity for teams to sneak in there. Maybe Kentucky starts kind of trickling on down from where they have been and I think in they years are, past. Yeah. So great opportunity for them to take advantage of that. And maybe they can sneak into that third spot in the East this year. But we wanted to do – or at least I wanted to. I didn't really give Stoddard much of a say on this one. But I wanted to do kind of a fun segment uh, because – the state of Georgia has two incredible teams right now playing. Uh, yeah. One plays football, the other one plays baseball. The Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves are two incredible organizations slash franchises that are absolutely absolutely just crushing it in their sport. I mean, talking like people are consistently saying that Georgia is one of the best in sports history, dynasty wise. The Braves are starting to get in that range as well. And so I read an article about a month ago. I believe is from Forbes.com. They wrote it. They wrote this story. And it was titled like the secret to the Braves success, you know, why they have been as good as they are this year. And it, the article describes how the Braves, when they go on road trips, the team as a, everybody, I mean, every single person in the organization, they go to dinner together and they eat together. You know, it's easy on road games where it's like, Oh, well, I want to try out this spot over here. I want to, it's not necessarily the case for the Braves. They go and eat as a team. And on top of that, the Braves pay the bill. They pick up the tab for the players when they go out to eat together. So they encourage it. They're like, yes, please, all 30 of you you, or whoever wants to go, please go eat together and we will pay for it. It doesn't even have to come out of your pocket. So just go and be together and build up that chemistry. And I think that's a great way to describe the Braves team. Like when you watch them on TV and you watch them on a daily basis, there's a lot of chemistry out there in the field with them. And they're, they're just, it's a team that's having fun. You know, Matt Olson said it in a interview with part of my take and he's like, you know, the biggest difference for me between the Braves and like other franchises, which one the one he's played for is Oakland, is like when it gets later in the season, you know, it's easy for other teams to kind of tighten things up a little bit because the the playoff race is approaching. You're trying to make sure you secure that top spot. But he's like, with the Braves, man, like we just let loose. Like we just play it like it's the beginning of the season or any other day, and we just continue to cut loose. He made a joke and he's like, Man, if I told Ozzy right before a game, if I told him like, hey, how about today you just kind of chill out a little bit? Like, how about you just kind of dial it down a little bit and actually lock in for a little? He said, Ozzy would probably tell me to F off. Like, that's just the type of guys that we have in this clubhouse. And I think there is a comparison to what the Braves have done and what Georgia is doing as well. You know, Brian Snicker, Kirby Smart, both really great head managers of their programs and of their sporting teams. And I think it really ties into, like, you know, Georgia has the skull sessions where their the teammates sit in together and they talk about life and they get to know each other and they build up that chemistry. And you get guys from all sorts of different position groups. The Braves, they have team dinners on the road. They go and eat together. The Braves pick up the tab, and it's a time for them to get together and talk about it. So you have that going for them. Georgia recruits at a national level. We were just talking about it. They go and get the national guys. They're going to go get the five-star Dylan Riola, but they're also going to get the in-state kids, the guys that grew up in the state of Georgia, guys that grew up right down the road from the University of Georgia, grew up Georgia fans probably, the guys like Brock Vandegrift, really good football player, going to go to the University of Georgia. Is that the University of Georgia? The Braves are something similar. They're going to go get the national player five-star Ronald Acuna, who's one of the best people say the best player in baseball outside of Shohei Otani probably. They're going to go get the Ozzy Albies, the national player who's really freaking talented. But they're also going to go get Matt Olson, who grew up in the state of Georgia, who went to Parkview High School, who grew up a Braves fan, 
bring him back to the organization. So you get a good mix of guys, and I think that really builds up. And Michael Harris, Michael Harris, Harris another Georgia native, really good ball player. Like those things matter, and you get a good mix of chemistry. You get a good mix of guys that kind of understand the ball club level from a fan standpoint. And then you also just mix in with an absurd amount of talent. So I think there's a lot of comparisons of what George has been doing and what the Braves continue to do. Because, my gosh, the Braves, they just don't quit winning. No, they, they really don't. And they're putting it on the, the Mets last I look again today. And they're hopefully hopefully going to sweep the Mets in a four-game series. And yesterday Dude, they scored a total of, what, 27 runs? Yeah, twenty-one to three yesterday, but and then they played a doubleheader and scored six to nothing in that one as well. So I think it was the difference was twenty-seven to three in two games yesterday against the Mets, which was just absolutely insane. But um, yeah, when you're looking at Georgia, especially in this in this conversation, as far as that goes, Kirby even talked about it, I believe, at SEC Media Day or uh, one of his pressers um, afterwards was. Our, our defense of the past couple of years has been so connected and they, they preached connect connection, 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 being friends, being wanting to spend time with each other, wanting to be around each other. Because when you know the player that you're playing beside, you want to do your job to help them do their job better kind of thing. And, and you're, you're picking each other up when somebody makes a mistake and you're going to be there to hold them accountable when something goes on too. But they're also going to be there to pick you up when you have a problem or something that you may not have done the right way. And it makes things flow a lot smoother. And that's exactly what you've seen at the Braves this year. And over the past couple of seasons, there was, it, they, they are just a family. They love each other. They, they want to be around each other. They're just having a good time. And yeah, baseball is their job and it's a serious thing at times. And yeah, when you get late in the season and you're in a play, it's something that you got to be, you know, you got to be on your game. But I think the the part that is good is what you were just talking about where Olsen was like, yeah, if I, if I were to be like, hey, you need to be serious today. We, we got a big one or something like that. He's like, man, that's that's not what they do. They, they play out. At their best, when they're having to get up and and sit on the uh, the rail after somebody hits a home run and does the little flapping thing, and and when they get hit a double or something, doing the small man gesture, all that kind of like if they can't do that, then they're not who they are, and they're not going to play at the level that they're supposed to be because they go out there every single day to have fun. Because at the end of the day, guess what? It's a kid's game. That's what you hear people say all the time. That's exactly what it is. They are just doing it at the highest level, and that is their job. But they, at the end of the day, it is still a game. And so they have the mentality of, we are going to have fun every single day. And when we're having fun, that's when we're at our best. Because, you know, if somebody makes a mistake, you're not going over there and just scolding them for it. Come on, let's figure this out. Let's let's pick you up. Next time, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little bit better. That's, that's all you got to do. And I think there's a respect thing that's built that way because I'm sure sure they have some tough conversations behind closed doors and everything like that but you don't see frustration between the roster you don't see frustration between the players on the field they handle stuff of it and they're showing everybody else they can have fun at the same time and i, I think it's a beautiful thing to see that it, it's a reminder that hey it, it's serious yeah they're they're playing for a lot of a lot of money they're playing for a lot of importance and, and for the entire city that, that kind of thing but they can have fun while they do it and still do it at an extremely high level. And right now, they're on pace to, to break the MLB record for wins, I believe, at this point, or being pretty daggum close to it. Last year, they won 101 games. This year, they're more than on track for that right now. I mean, it's it's insane. They've still got, what, 40-something games left? Something, Something like that. I can't that, remember yeah. exactly where they're at. But it, it's it, they've got a lot of 11 or so games in first place over the Phillies. Mm-hmm. 24 games ahead of the Mets right now, something like that. And uh, we were looking at it today, actually, in our group chat with Dan and Harrison was that the Philly in the NL and they're down by the Braves by like 12 games right now. It's insane. Like that's and then the Dodgers are. Yeah. 
or back from the Braves by that, but that's insane. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing too is like when you think about just Kirby Smart and Brian Snicker themselves. You know, Brian Snicker spent a lot of time in the Braves organization. I mean, a lot of time in, in that organization. He was, you know, the manager for the AAA team, the Gwinnett Braves at the time. A little bit of time with the Gwinnett Stripers when they switched their names, and now he's the general, and now he's the manager of the Braves. So, like a guy that's really connected to that franchise and a guy that's been around he understands how things operate there he knows the history of the team like that's a good person to have leading your team same thing with Kirby Smart I mean the dude played four years in the University of Georgia he's connected to um, the university graduated from there he met his wife there like he has roots scattered all across Athens and now he's leading that program a guy you know you want guys that are proud to wear your logo every single day and that means something to them I think both of those guys exemplify that both of them are extremely proud to wear the Atlanta A or the Georgia G. Um, going up, building off of like the connectivity, listening to um, Glenn Schumann talk during his press conference last week, he got asked about the linebacker Olympics that he hosted recently at his house. And he was asked about how that kind of came about. And he was like, well, you know, during COVID, we weren't allowed to see each other. You know, people were supposed to be at home. We weren't supposed to be around one another or anything like that. And he said, so when those restrictions were uplifted a little bit, I wanted something to do to where the guys could come back together, be around one another, build up some connections, get to know one another. So he hosts a big event every year at his house with all the linebackers and they do like different events competing against one another. Just a really fun day all together. And, you know, it's the continuous pursuit of making sure that your team is as good as it possibly can be and doing things like that, welcoming, welcoming, welcoming in your own players into your house, them getting to meet your family. You get to know them more that really just builds into this success and it's only going to make your team better. And I think both franchises or both organizations do a great job of that. And just, they really stay on top of things. And I think both Kirby smart and <clears throat> Brian Snicker are great managers themselves. You know, Kirby smarts, a head coach, Brian Snicker is labeled as a manager, but they do a great job of managing their roster and making sure everybody's in check. Everybody's good to go and making sure they get the most out of their players every single day. Yeah. And they do, they get that every single day. That's the thing is like, it's, they preach it and they preach it and they preach it, but there it's, and it shows on the field every single time. And like one of my favorite things, and I always go back to this was, you know, when Nicobe Dean um, and Channing Tindall in the national championship game, you know, when they run into each other, he messes up and he's like, Hey, you got to be in your spot. You got to be doing it. And Tindall's like, all right, I got you. I got you. And then he's, but he's like screaming in his face, turns around the very next play. He goes out and he makes, he, he gets the sack on Bryce Young. And then it's a huge moment in that game for Georgia against Alabama. And it's stuff like that. Like, and then he goes, he's the first one running back up to him afterwards and just hugging him and just celebrating with him and everything as well. So it's like, I'm there to hold you accountable, but I'm also there to be the first one to celebrate with you afterwards as well, because we are all here for the same goal. And we understand that. And we are just trying to get the best out of you because we know you can do that. And so they, and they, they, the players help get the best out of each other on the, at the same time. And then I think that along with what the coaching staff does, it's just, that's just the culture that they have built. And it's, it's so fun to watch on both sides of it. Enjoying the ride with the Braves right now. Um, you know, just, just, I think at the score right now is three to one in the fifth for the Braves right now. So hopefully they can go out and sweep the Mets and then go move in there. And the Georgia's getting on, you know, getting ready to suit up and, and they're starting to hit each other more now because it's at that time of year and they're, they're getting ready to, you know, tee it up between the hedges here in a, in three weeks or whatever it is. And, 
uh, I think it's going to be a, a good season for both of everybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both of them are like at the pinnacle of their own sport. And maybe if the Falcons can kind of start getting some things going for them, if these rookies like Bijan Robinson and some of the other guys that they took in this class, if Desmond Ritter can pan out a little bit and do a good job for them as a starting quarterback this year, maybe the Falcons can kind of start bringing some excitement back as well. So might be prime time to be a Georgia sports and- fan here in a little bit if the Falcons can figure some things out. Falcons are going to win the division this year. I'm not saying they're going to do so much in the playoffs afterwards. I'm not sure yet, but they'll they'll win the division this year. Division's kind of down. I think they made a lot of improvement on their defensive side of the ball that was much needed after last year. And uh, like you said, then you've got some key pieces on offense. Kyle Pitts hopefully is going to be healthy and ready to go. I think they said he's expected to be. John Robinson, Drake offensive line is is starting to get a little bit better as well. I think they had some a lot of issues there last year, so there's still some question marks there for them. Uh, but as far as like turnaround improvement, I think you're going to see a massive difference from last year to this year. And and I'm the jury is still not out on on Ritter yet. I, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to judge him for what he did at the end of last year in four games. It, it that's not a fair comparison. He didn't even have everybody on his, his roster to throw to at the time and. Uh, it, it's also just kind of getting thrown in at the end of the season when the season's over and you got no chance of doing anything. It's kind of a who, who cares kind of mentality. I'm not saying he said that, but at the same time, like you can't really judge a team that's in that type of situation when a, a new starting quarterback at that time. So I think they're going to win the division here. So, so yeah, at the end of the year, you could have some playoff teams in, in all facets for Georgia next year. And then maybe the Hawks will figure it out too. Who knows? Maybe. I'm, I'm wanting the Hawks to figure things out. You know, me being a basketball guy at heart, I need my Hawks to be on top of their game this year. But, yeah, NFC South is wide open right now. Tom Brady's out of the picture. The Saints are figuring things out now with Derek Carr as their quarterback. Carolina Panthers continue to try and work their way back into the shake of things with maybe Bryce Young being their starting quarterback. So, I mean, just wide open for them, seeing who can figure things out and who can take advantage of the opportunity. Hopefully the Falcons can get it rolling for them. You see the you see the flag I got behind me. Rise up, repping the A no matter what. So, Hopefully, good fortune is in store for the Atlanta Falcons. But, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, this is where we're going to be every single week now, Sundays at 8 p.m. Show up. Even if Sunday Night Football is on, come show up with your boys. At least have us on in the background a little bit, maybe. You don't want to listen to all those guys talking on the – you're just going to be complaining about the announcers anyways. So come listen to us anyways. Just mute the TV, have the game in the background, and get your – Get your Georgia fix in on a Sunday evening before the week starts ramping up again. So we appreciate all of you guys for showing up in the comment section, showing up for the live stream. And if you are watching us later in the week, we appreciate you, of course, as always. And Stoddard, you can close us out, brother. Yeah, as always, keep it classy in the classic city. And we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J. Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, the entire Bulldog Nation.